Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Adelina Peltier, VP of Growth at Holded. In this episode, we talked about the biggest differences between different stages of growth at a startup, why you should always stay true to your startup's DNA, how to iterate your way to product market fit at the seed stage, and why Adelina believes you should never get feedback from free users. We also discussed Adelina's responsibilities as VP of Growth at Holded, how she reshuffled her team to be more cross-functional and structured on each stage of the user journey, and how the growth team at Holded works together to improve activation rates. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Adelina, welcome to the show. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure for the listeners that Alina is the VP of Growth at Holded, a business operating system for SMBs to manage invoicing, accounting, projects, inventory, databases, and more in a single place. Prior to Holded, Adelina was the Director of Marketing Ops and Interim VP of Marketing at Typeform, VP of Marketing at TradeGecko, and co-founder of Splinter.me. So my first question for you, Adelina, is having started your own startup from the ground up and having worked at a seed, Series A, and Series B startup, what would you say is the biggest difference between each stage of growth, and what would you say is the common thread between them? That's a very good question. And I'm actually noticing quite a lot of startup people that would listen to podcasts like this and get all sorts of ideas about we should do this and we should do that. But it's very important to know at what stage you are and like do one thing at a time and do it well. Because as a startup, there will always be lots of things to to tackle. So I think when you start and around seed stage as well, like the most important part is to make sure you have a product market fit. That's hugely important. Sometimes it may look like you have it, but you don't. I actually wrote a book about this. It's called uh, Customer Seduction, where I interviewed quite a lot of startups that were either past this stage or during the stage or just starting to get there. And I explored different angles of how to understand if you are there and how to assess it and so on. So there is a lot of research that goes into that and uh, a lot of feedback that is needed. You as a founder need to be very close to to your customers at that stage and understand what is a common pattern for which people would pay money and not just get into too many use cases, into into too many segments. At Series A, or to even get to Series A, I would say it's to prove that you can have 
some sort of acquisition and retention. Typically, you would want to have at least a channel that looks really promising and to have a very good retention. And then from Series A to Series B, it's a matter of uh, really being in the growth stage. So um, seeing that things um, do start to pile up, that you have any more opportunities on the table that you validated. And then it's just a question of raising more money to, to really scale on all those, opening more channels, more markets, potentially launching some new products and, and so on. I hope this answers your question, but this is truly like one of the most important for any um, person working in a startup to understand really clearly the stage you are at and uh, what you need to do. There is one more stage even beyond that, like beyond growth stage, which can kick in at different stages, so not necessarily post-series B, but it's like the next in terms of how things evolve, which is more not just the growth stage, but the kind of inflection point where you just need a new strategy or you need innovation to keep going and companies that have been in the market for longer times usually have to reinvent themselves. So all in all, the journeys uh, are quite interesting. And this is like what fascinates me the most. And I like to explore these different stages in different companies. Very cool. Would you say that there's something that all stages have in common with one another? Like one thing that holds true no matter what stage you are uh, when it comes to maybe marketing specifically? Something that's equally as important not, throughout each stage. Not necessarily things like marketing specific or whatever, but I think what should stay true at all times, it's the DNA of the company. Like really understand how you want to be in a, in your unique way and, and stick to that. If it's excellence, if it's something specific about how you want to reinvent the market, you've started disrupting with your startup or anything like that. So like stay true to your core values. I would say that's the most important. Everything else evolves, product evolves, strategies evolve, marketing evolves. It's it's ongoing. And uh, many times maybe we forget to be customer centric. I think that's also like something that it's an obvious one. And maybe many companies say they do that, but it's actually easy to to lose sight of that. So like constantly going back to to that center. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something I was guilty of in uh, one of my earlier startups was early days, like doing a lot of customer research, speaking to customers all the time, and then just put my head down and we started building. And slowly over mm -hmm. time, you start detaching yourself from the customer. And then you get to the point where you built a Frankenstein that nobody wants. Uh, it's super critical to continuously iterate and continuously speaking and being close to them. You mentioned something then as well on product market fit and uh, having written a book as well, Customer Seduction, uh, which we'll leave in the notes as well for the show. This is definitely, I think, like a concept as well in my mind and having heard from a few others uh, on this, I think Eden Shah mentioned this too as well. Product market fit being this moving target. Uh, and if we think about the, the way markets are evolving today, uh, you're constantly always in search of it and you have varying degrees of it as well. But what does your framework look like at the early stage, at the seed stage, really trying to prove that product market fit? Like, what are some of the things you think startups should be thinking about, should be doing during this phase in order to iterate their way towards uh, at least some variation or version of product market fit? You really want to make sure that you are vital for, for your customers. That can actually take many shapes and forms. You can ask them very basic questions. If this product wouldn't exist, how difficult would your life be and stuff like that? And how many would say they wouldn't go back to uh, a world without your product? But that 
really can vary. So some, for example, in Holded's case, we are vital for uh, small businesses to manage their entire business pretty much. As you said, we cover everything from financial to project management and inventory and so on. And it's all this automation and having your data in there. And we can see that people are really sticky. But for example, a, a tool like Typeform would also be that. And it's not necessarily that you would think also oh, forms are something that vital. There are so many out there, but like actually it is uh, when you stay true to your values. So in Typeform's case, it was about this beautiful design. And if you are a company that wants to impress your users and your respondents, then you do want to have that. And for some people, this was vital, uh, while for others might be nice to have. So what I'm trying to say is basically that you need to identify a very specific segment that you're serving and why you're vital to them. And you need to ask the right questions. And of course, there will be segments that don't uh, need it and don't value it. And that's perfectly fine. It's just you finding uh, your segment. And then, of course, how big is this segment? Uh, just making sure you're not in a too small niche. And then from there you go, like, how is it there to find? And can you actually find them? And can you monetize it? And so on. And speaking of monetization, it's for me, it was super important for all my life and everything I've done. Never get feedback from free users, so to say. So only people that pay, regardless of what they pay, that's like an indication of there is some commitment there and do, do listen to that. If you're just trying to like, yeah, you can play around with my product, that's nice, but it might not be the same if they would pay. So there is that. And then you said it's a moving target, and that's absolutely true because products evolve and customers evolve. And many times you don't just completely jump to different categories and so on. So it's just like adjustments. And is that's where customer centricity comes in because you constantly have to adjust. But sometimes it can be like bigger changes. As I said, the world might evolve quite drastically in five, 10 years. You might have, you could get to these inflection points and it's like, how do you reinvent yourself? But again, like staying true to, to what you wanted to do in the first place. Yeah. I guess at some point companies also buy more into your brand rather than just your products. Your product starts adding these other layers of content and what you stand for and your values. And everything that you do as a company becomes like a concept that then people start uh, adopting. So it becomes more than just a product. Nice. And, and then now as you're at uh, Holded, your VP of growth, what are you responsible for at the company exactly? And uh, what does your team look like that you lead? So when I started, it looked quite classic. Like uh, I had the marketing sales and uh, customer success teams. So everything that was customer facing and of course, very good connection to what we do in terms of everything else like product and finance and so on. And I was responsible for acquisition, like scanning acquisition. Retention looked good, but pretty much scanning acquisition in a way in which we can keep this kind of retention. Expansion for us, it's quite high. And it's like, how do we maintain that and increase it and so on. And then other growth levers like monetization and yeah, everything that goes into increasing ARR pretty much. However, I didn't like this kind of silos. So in a few months, I reshuffled the teams to be more cross-functional. And we just look directly at what's the user journey and how we can split that into different teams so that everyone has a bit of ownership on very specific things. But then inside the team, they have different resources to be as autonomous as possible. In some cases, there is a mix of different specialties in, in a team. In some cases, 
we're still a startup, we don't have that many employees. So in some cases, some resources are moving in different teams, depending on the things that we do at different stages. And in the beginning, even before actually joining the company, I was interviewing, I just looked at a lot of the data and listened to the people and their insights and what they think we should build and made a plan on like in which order we should address all this. Because again, as I said in the beginning, as a startup, there is always a lot to do. But if you try to boil the ocean, <laughs> that's going to be quite complicated. So basically, we we made a plan in which order we start addressing the challenges and why in that order and how does that make sense in terms of data, low-hanging fruit, financials and strategy and lots of different things. Very cool. And these stages of the user journey, what stages have you highlighted and uh, structured the teams around? So the direct to customer, uh, we only split it in two teams. And the first one was just till the moment. So being a software as a service, we divided it at the moment of the first subscription. So it's a very interesting journey how you as a potential customer get to commit to your first payment. And then the next team is beyond this first subscription where we want to make sure that you activate and you expand and you have long-term retention with us. Uh, so these are the two different teams. And then there is a third team indirect to customer for a partner's program. In our case, external accountants that are kind of resellers for what we do. And that's a very different approach as well. Very cool. And I'm going to make an assumption here. And I'm I'm guessing like the majority of your churn is most likely short churn and potentially due to activation. I think probably once you have somebody sticking in, I think the stored value and the switching costs become very high for companies. Is this the case? And like which area when it comes to retention and retention, do you see the biggest opportunity uh, for improvement? Yeah, you are almost right. There is just uh, one other thing, like when you serve uh, small businesses, some of them would also go out of business. So there's also yeah. that. And it's a very typical one. At the same time, you have new companies being founded and using you. So we have companies that are just building their websites and so on. So there is always this, but it's still quite small. And indeed, like when people uh, really get the value of Holder, then they really stick. Like our churns are really low. And also if you look at cohorts in terms of like, how does the revenue look in in a year uh, later for each cohort? We are actually at way above a hundred percent. So if you nice. take out churn and add expansion, we are actually on on plus, and that's actually quite rare in the world of SaaS. So, yeah, so indeed, <laughs> indeed, and that's really excellent. Yes, indeed. At the moment, we focus more on the initial stages, like people getting the value of Holded. So we focus much more on activation because once they get that, they are usually quite sticky. And now during Corona times as well, we noticed that it was an interesting test to see if we are that vital for these businesses. And we were actually, our churn degrees even further during Corona. Very interesting. Yeah, I think that's like a similar pattern. I think we said, talk about this quite a bit recently, but it just accelerated the inevitable. So if you had the churn problem, you were going to just see that accentuated and uh, see more of it immediately. But for the companies that are really like solving a painful problem for their customers, so you would see the inverse as well and really people sticking around. Exactly. Yeah. Added most. Um, so, <laughs> Corona, the ultimate accelerator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm interested as well, though, then uh, in terms of this activation period and the way you've structured the team as well up until the first subscription. So with this in mind and having this cross-functional team, like 
What are some of the initiatives, activities that the team is working on? How are they working together and like having these silos broken down of marketing, CS and sales? Like, How are they viewing this activation period and how do they work together to improve uh, the activation rates? So in, in terms of working on this, I guess that goes back to what we're talking about being customer centric. When you have these typical silos in a company like marketing and so on, it's like self-centered. Uh, and I think most of these teams are not able to do much by themselves. They, there's always some collaboration. And this kind of structures usually lead to all sorts of politics and so on, because you rely on lobbying from team to another team to get things done. While in this case, they are as much as possible self-sufficient. And we just focus on the customers. So it's not a matter of what specialty you are and like what things you want to do because that's what you're used to, but like really looking at data and insights and things like that and just doing the best. And it's very interesting to see people coming together from different specialties and, for example, putting marketing and sales together, how sales learns more from marketing on how to automate stuff so that we don't have to scale the sales team as we scale the customer base. And uh, the other way around, marketing has constant access to insights on a daily basis. And they understand when people uh, are confused about something, maybe we need to change something on our website communications and so on. So there are lots of benefits. It takes a while to get things going. And there is a lot of habits on how we used to work in these different structures before. But it's worth it. And then specifically for activation, as you asked, we just started defining the stages after we did the reorganization. And uh, so for this team beyond the first subscription, and we divided it into these three stages. So, okay, we have the moment till activation, the moment till like the whole expansion part, and then what is long-term retention. And we sat down together in between some people, especially from customer success and data, and uh, defined what these stages are, what these milestones are, like exactly in terms of our product and use usage, like what are the events that we use and all these things, like being very specific then having that in all our systems for uh, automation and for CRM. And then at that point, we the customer success team was actually mostly support. And then we added another team that was proactive customer success. So at least one person dedicated to each stage and really looking at the data and driving forward, okay, what we could do at each different stages to get this going. At the same time, as a company, we also set priorities. So while there is someone that owns each part of the journey, so it's not just like beyond first subscription, it's all the same. So as I said, it's activation, expansion, and retention, three different stages. But at the same time, as a company, we define what's the priority overall, because otherwise people would try again to do everything at once. So maybe there is no point for us to do something now in long-term retention where you can do something on activation and invest more resources, like more data and and so on um and at the scale as well and size i think it makes sense as well to get that focus and then when you have everything uh together like as i said i'm also responsible for like our parts and other growth lever it's interesting to to play with all these levers and to understand the impact as well so for example now we are just going through a pricing change there was a lot of repackaging and repositioning going into it And we're looking now at how does it impact pretty much everything from the impact on acquisition, because if you increase ARPA, you can also increase your CAC. Their acquisition might look very different, but also for activation or expansion, what does it mean and how do we do it now? So all these things just go in tandem pretty much. And it's good to have 
people dedicated to each stage is good on top of that to have a company priority so that you don't get to conflict of resources. And then on top of that, it's good to understand how all the metrics play together and it's just a balance and which side do you want to incline it. Yeah. And then how does product align themselves to this? Like you're saying you're dealing with the customer facing teams, like from a product perspective, are they arranging and organizing themselves in a similar fashion? Do you ever see this becoming just the way the company is structured? We collaborate quite nicely there because uh, the founders are pretty much into growth experiments. So there is a product roadmap that we know what we need in now and in the long term. At the same time, from a growth perspective, we come up with things that are potentially having uh, an opportunity for us to to do better in terms of all these different metrics. And we just organize different projects at different times. Prioritization is like hyper important because again, as a startup, you want to do a million things. But usually growth projects that need a lot of product involvement are, are quite prioritized. Yeah. Interesting, because I I think this is definitely something as well, like even at Hotjar, where I'm now, we've definitely moved more into this uh, user-centric focused uh, structure of teams, like all our product squads are structured in this way. I think eventually it'll probably make sense to have these multifunctional teams at each phase of the user journey, which include people from products, from marketing, sales, the full sort of suite of skill sets that the company has. Yep, yep. So another question I'm interested as well is like uh, having had experience coming from Typeform now at Holded, is there something that you had learned at Typeform that you believe to be true about churn and retention that coming to Holded has now like proven that belief wrong or you've seen something uh, different to what you had learned previously? need to think about this, but I would say they are miles apart because... At Timeform, we had a whole different challenge when it comes to this. The most known use case for Timeform was surveys, research in general. And the thing with this is that's not something permanent, right? Like you have a need for a few months and then you don't need it for a few months and you might need it again. So we actually had this category called happy churners. They completely love the product, but they just don't need it all the time. And that's baked in into what you are as a product and as a strategy. And actually we're working quite a lot on strategy on identifying use cases that are more permanent and promoting more of that and stuff like this. At Holded, the challenge again is very different because when you manage your entire business with Holded and you have all your data in there, you tend to be stickier. But at the same time, we don't want to just get comfortable. So actually, yes, are we better than other ERPs out there? Yes. Like we invested a lot in design because an SMB needs much more user-friendliness than an enterprise in most cases, but we never got comfortable. Like we're constantly trying to see how we can improve. We call it the constant onboarding. So it's not just about like how you spend your first days with the product, but how you're constantly discovering new things and improving your business processes with us and discovering new things that we're doing and and things like that. Yeah, although our long-term orientation looks good, the approach is totally different. And we know that we constantly want to have an amazing UX and we constantly invest in that. And that's why I said it's like staying um, true to your core values for the entire journey. Yeah, 
it's it's interesting as well like you see like vast differences even though you're going after a similar segment SMB just having the fact that the use case is vastly different one is like an ongoing continuous versus the other one like a once off the the strategies and tactics that you need to employ and the focus where you need to be like putting your energy into improving return and retention is obviously totally different exactly the next question I want to ask hypothetically now let's imagine uh, you join a new company and you arrive in this company is not doing good with churn and retention at all. The CEO comes to you and says, we'd like to turn things around and we want to put you in charge. We have 90 days to try and get some results. What would you want to be doing with your time in those first 90 days to try and make a dent on churn and retention at the company? It depends a lot on the data analysis and the insights. There can be so many reasons. Most of the times you can just improve things very easily just by looking into cards that expired and payments don't go through. That's usually quite a bit of percentage on that. And sometimes you can save some of that. So there are like little things that could probably save you some percentages. But ultimately you want to boil down to like, where is the actual problem? And that's why it depends. Did you really get the product market fit? Are you before or after it? So the things could look like completely different. Are you going for very different segments and maybe it's working for a segment but not working for others so don't look at the average but start like segmenting things in different ways so find your true segments is it a very fundamental product and strategy issue that you have to completely like uh, reshuffle things is it a monetization thing like it's like identifying the reasons and seeing what percentage is for what reason and how serious that reason is and how easily it can be addressed. And if you have a foundational issue, yeah, you can work on, for example, what I said, fail payments, but ultimately it doesn't matter because you still have a a bigger fish to fry. And in some cases you don't have a foundational problem. It's just like a bunch of different reasons that then you prioritize and, and work towards. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. There are like underlying maybe quick wins normally in a company. and But those, like you said, will be, have like a smaller impact and will just move the needle slightly. But unless you really get to the bottom of the problem, understand the root cause, you're not really able to effectively strategize and improve yeah. it overall. Yeah. yeah. So it's very important to, to look at the data and to talk to customers and try to understand that. And just don't lie to yourself and be very, really try to understand and try to address it. Absolutely. Cool. I see we're running up on time, so I'm going to have one last question. Is What's one thing that you know about churn and retention today that you wish you knew when you got started? That's a hard one. I think it just goes back to this working cross-functionally. I was in companies where I was leading marketing and someone else was leading the part that takes care of retention. And there was a disconnect. And we always knew that like one hand impacts the other, but pretty much how to really work together and understand the impact of each activity, like how you attract different segments and what happens and how you focus first on some retention campaigns and that could help you more with with marketing and so on. So this symbiosis, it's very powerful. And I think more companies have to, to put these things together and really be customer centric and look at it together and how one impacts the other and prioritize things at the company level based on this rather than have everyone just pull in different directions. It's not necessarily that you don't know this, but it's more on like how you do your day to day. 
Very cool. Alina, it's been a pleasure chatting to you today. Is there any sort of final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? Anything they should be aware of or keep up to date with what you're working on, maybe yourself personally or at Holded? Yeah, I would say like just generally truly be customer centric. That means make sure you have a as good retention as possible uh, before you, you invest in different things. Look at how everything is, all the metrics are working together, how you can turn your team into being cross-functional to look at all these items. Always break down stages of the user journey. Always look at different segments on how they're performing. Don't get fooled by the averages. And never forget who you truly are and why you're there. As I said, that hold it for being a sort of ERP, but dedicated to small businesses. For us, even if we have... Um, a very good retention on the long term. There's so much that we want to invest into, like still being an amazing experience for users. Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure, like I said, having you. Uh, wish you best of luck now as well. And it sounds definitely like you've got an interesting road ahead, a lot of work to do, and looking forward to see what uh, comes out of Holded in the future. Thanks a lot. This was a very interesting chat, very hard questions. <laughs> and awesome. I hope uh, the listeners had some some good takeaways. Absolutely. And if you're still listening now, thank you very much. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review, as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.